Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! everybody, welcome to Crossover Appeal, the podcast where we take two different pieces of pop culture and mash them all up together and see what happens. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Carty. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. We're doing a podcast. We love podcasts. We do. It's our first one of our first episode of our first one. Um, what's this? What our podcast, Annie? Um, they're a place where we can talk to other people about media we like and not just each other. <laughs> While we sit on the couch watching and consuming pop culture. So this is cutting down on the Ouroboros effect of us just talking about the things we like to each other, basically. Yay, things. <laughs> um, we decided for our first episode of this sort of game podcast that we would make things very, very easy on ourselves. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of different media, books and movie and TV shows, uh, some of which we know a whole lot about and love and some of which we don't know as much about but still really like. Um, and so we really decided to lower the difficulty setting on our first episode by choosing two properties that I think everyone agree have a massive amount in common and are very often regarded as almost similar works from very similar people. Uh, would you say that, Annie? Oh, of course. Yeah. In I... my heart, at least. <laughs> Absolutely. I think these are pretty officially always paired up in people's minds. Yeah. If you're a fan of one, you're a fan of the other. <laughs> we made the worst decision ever. <laughs> we, we were so wrong. You know, go big or go home. That's what I say. Yes. But I do genuinely love both of these fandoms and that... consider myself a big fan of each entity. That is true. We have uh, what we have not done in easiness, we have made up for in in heart, because I think both of us sort of well up a little bit uh, when we think about these shows. Um, At least you think of, you well up when you think of one of them. That is true. I well up when I think of both of them. That's true. So really, it's just your heart for yes. the first episode. Yay! Yay things! <laughs> um, and now the, the mystery is dumb. Let's take away the mystery. What are we talking about today? So today we are crossovering Gilmore Girls. <laughs> We're going to have to work on that verb. <laughs> crossovering is a word now. Today, we are crossovering Gilmore Girls and Battlestar Galactica. Again, just two peas in a pod. Uh, across the board. Um, so yeah, the format of the podcast is we're each going to talk about one of the pieces of pop culture, just to give you a little bit of context in case you haven't seen it or experienced it. And then we're going to figure out how in the universe of fan fiction these two properties would ever intersect with one another. Uh, and then we're going to play some fun games. So yay, games on podcasts. Uh, so Annie, what am Gilmore Girls? Gilmore Girls is a wonderful television show um, that originally aired on the WB, for those of you who are of a certain age. Um, so it's a family drama involving a single mom, Lorelai, and her daughter, Rory, who live in Stars Hollow, Connecticut. The show starts when Lorelai has to ask her wealthy, estranged parents 
to fund Rory's private high school education because Rory is super smart and Lorelai wants her to be able to have the best educational advantages but has zero money. And does Lorelai get along with her parents? No, she does not. Her parents are played by uh, two wonderful actors um, whose names I can't remember at but this moment. But they're great. But they're great. Her mom was in Dirty Dancing. <laughs> and and on uh, in the original cast of... Um, Chorus that, Line, right? Chorus Line, yeah. See, I know everything about and the Gilmore Girls. her dad's... Ed Herman, is that his real name? That is. Um, and so, yeah, another classic actor. Um, and the show follows along both um, Lorelai and Rory's love lives, um, their relationship with um, Rory's grandparents, uh, Rory's academic career, Lorelai's career as an innkeeper, um, as well as all of the adorable antics that occur in Stars Hollow, the Possibly the cutest town in television history. There's a cute little square in it. That's cool. There is. There's a gazebo. Um, there's Luke's Diner. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Miss Patty, who does all the dance and theater classes. Um, Gypsy owns the the car um, mechanic shop. Um, My experience with Gilmore Girls is not liking it for a while because every time I tried to watch it, they talked very fast. Which, which I is love. A very stylistic choice. I think that's a wonderful stylistic choice. And I think that's a thing that if you don't enjoy it, you're just not going to enjoy mm-hmm. the rest of the show. And I understand that. People have different vibes. And I never came around totally to loving the show, but I did learn to appreciate it uh, in the many, many times that it was on in the background of things that we were doing Throughout the course of our lives. Um, I, I, do... I had not all of the seasons on DVD when you would actually buy DVDs. Um, and I just watched them constantly. And it, like while, while I was doing other things. But they're a wonderful background noise. They're comfort food. They are, yeah. Um, and I do seem to recall that almost every episode has at least one quirky, adorable town meeting where we hear from all of the different residents of yes. Stars Hollow. Oh, exactly. Like Luke Danes, who owns the diner and is Lorelai's sometime love interest. Uh, he wears so- a hat. He wears a hat and like flannel shirt, so you can be him for Halloween if you want. It's true. It's um, an easy, easy costume for those lazy folks. It was an early role for Melissa McCarthy um, as Suki St. James, and one of my favorite um, best friend character roles. Also another favorite best friend character role, um, L- Rory's best friend Lane and Lane's super Christian mom, Mrs. Kim. Um Another great best friend slash mortal enemy role is Paris Geller. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of, I think, really interesting relationships that are not romantic. What on I'm the hearing show. is the Gilmore girls have a lot of friends. They do have a lot of friends, and they date a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Rory's ma- main boyfriends throughout the series are Dean, Justin, Logan, all of whom suck in various ways. Which one was Milo Ventimiglia um, of Heroes fame? J- Jess. Oh, and actually, he is the one that I think comes out the strongest in the end, even though. He was like bad boy Jess for many seasons. Um, far too tiny to be a bad boy. So I actually did not uh, watch Gilmore Girls when it was airing between 2000 and 2007 on the WB and CW because our cable network, I guess, sucked and lost the, that sad channel. Boo cable. I boo. Know, right? Google fiber. Uh, <laughs> but I caught up in college with the DVDs and I just love the show so much. Um and there's a 
Netflix miniseries coming soon, which I'm super excited about and fans are super excited about. Like, mm-hmm. There's been a huge buzz about it. Um, there is. It, all it, the, the newsboys on the corner yeah. shouting about extra, you, extra. I mean, if it, the news isn't talking about Trump, it's talking about Gilmore Girls. <laughs> and sometimes Trump is talking about Gilmore Girls. I wouldn't want him to talk about Gilmore Girls. No, Trump probably doesn't you talk shut about Shut your Gilmore. mouth. Oh, God. Oh, God. We're getting very political. <laughs> um and so I actually didn't know that there was a big fandom surrounding Gilmore Girls. Um, my college roommate and I loved it, but I didn't realize that so many other people did. Um, so it's been really nice to see kind of the the fans um, getting excited about this upcoming miniseries. Yeah, I guess when you have a show that cozy, it's hard to really blast out to the world about it. Yeah, um, and it's a very female-focused show, so I think it got less acclaim uh than perhaps many male driven shows mm-hmm. would have um and it's a great show for re-watching and reruns i think that really helps it you get invested in the town and the characters mm-hmm. uh, and they do a very good job of capturing magical i want to live in that place yes. kind of oh spirit. my gosh i so want to live in stars hollow <laughs> it's very one quaint. day <laughs> Um, so yeah, a few things I love about Gilmore, Gilmore Girls and what I think fans love is the focus on female relationships, um, the family drama, like you can still love your family and feel conflicted about them. <laughs> um, n- neither Lorelai nor Rory nor, um, Lorelai's parents are ever painted as just a true villain. They're all making mistakes, um, and they all love each other at their core. Um, And yeah, I love the fast-paced dialogue and the ton of cultural references, because we're a show about cultural references, so... That's true. That, that is my jam. You could build a Tommyverse out of the things exactly. that they talk about in this show. Yes. Um, very, very quickly, and very, very uh, wittily. Uh, everybody on the show is a punster and a smart smarty pants, I think would be the technical term. Definitely. For it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's our, our pop culture number one in the blue corner, I guess. Yeah. It's in the blue corner. Yeah. And in the red corner is Battlestar Galactica. Yay. Uh, Battlestar Galactica is a series that ran from 2004 to 2008 on the Sci-Fi Channel back when it was called the Sci-Fi Channel and not Sifi or whatever it is. Sifi. <laughs> before they started doing Sharknados every day. Not that there's anything wrong with Sharknados. Yeah. Don't um, hate on sharks. I, I, I didn't say sharks. I said Sharknados. They're in there. Or Sharktopuses or what have you. All the fun stuff that you watch on a Saturday morning when you have a hangover. Um, but uh, it started off as a miniseries in, in 2003, and it actually started off even before that as a whole nother series. Uh, which we will and, not be talking about today. We'll, we will not, because we are not steeped in its very Mormon-heavy mythology or history. Um, but the series was essentially rebooted uh, in the 2000s. Um, they took a lot of the source material and treated it... What's interesting is they treated it 
somewhat canonically. Um, the setup of the original series was about humanity fighting against a robot race called the Cylons, um, and a lot of touches from the 70s got worked into the reboot of the show so that uh, when the show in the 2000s began, it is actually after the humans have fought a war with the Cylons. Um, and many years afterwards, and then at the beginning of the miniseries, they come back, uh, the so Cylons. So it's almost a sequel instead of a reboot. Yeah, although they still, they also ported over a number of characters uh, who were characters in the original series and are now characters in the new series. So it both shared a lot of DNA, but also used as a launch pad, uh, that first series. Um, all of which is to say, you don't need to know anything about the first series to start with the new one. Uh, and the new one is really great. Um, it holds a very special place in my heart as the thing that finally got Annie to admit that she likes science fiction. No, or, or... that was Dr. Who. Oh, I no. I claimed that... I loved BSG, but I didn't like sci-fi because BSG true. was a military show. That is true. Despite she... the Cylons <laughs> and the spaceships. It was a space military fighting space robots, but not science fiction. No, of Very course. military. So I, I should be corrected. It is the show during the run of which Annie finally had to come to terms with the fact that she yes, enjoyed science fiction. made me very fiction. conflicted, and I love it so deeply. Yes. Um... Largely because thematically it is many different types of show all wrapped into one, even season by season uh, and episode by episode. Uh, it had an amazing cast. Uh, Edward James Olmos, Katie Sackhoff, Mary McDonald, James Callis, Trisha Helfer, uh, all of these really just wonderful actors who were given opportunities to just kind of grow into these very well-lived roles over the course of the series and go through some really massive character arcs. Um, so the basic setup, like I said, uh, it is human society out in space in uh, a society called the 12 Colonies of Cobol. Um, during the original miniseries setting up the show, the Cylons, who have been in sort of a very, very tentative peace with humanity for a long time come back and kill 99% of humanity they blow up all of the colony planets and essentially send a small armada of civilian ships running and the entire series is the survivors of humankind searching for a new home and trying to stay one step ahead of the Cylons. Um, they only have one military ship called the Galactica. It is run by Admiral Adama um, and his craggy old man just tears. craggy old man tears. The ship is is run on Edward James almost tears. Uh, so yeah. many feels for me. So much feels. Um, he has a son Lee, who is sort of hotshot pilot, but not as hotshot as Starbuck. Um, One of the greatest female characters in television history. Amen. A female character who is allowed to both be completely kickass and strong, and also very vulnerable and damaged, um, just depending. More moment to moment and often all at once. She's just a complete self-destructive force of nature and Katie Sackhoff uh, just kills this role. Um, does it amazingly through the entire uh, four seasons of the show's run. Um, so humanity's goals are really simple in the show. Just to stay alive, to find a new home. Um, there is some mythology built into it of a mythical home called Earth that they are looking for for much of the series, which may sound familiar if you live on Earth. What? 
you know, it's crazy. Um, and so there's a lot of fun sort of playing around with what this society of humans is, what earth is, where it might be, but it never gets too high minded and always, always kind of focuses on the characters themselves and their struggles to really just kind of stay alive. They keep track of the remainder of humanity on a whiteboard, uh, throughout the course of the show. Um, oh, uh, another really major character that brings in a whole nother dynamic to the show is Mary McDonnell as President Laura Roslin. Uh, she is a character who starts the series as the Secretary of Education and simply because of the chain of secession when humanity is destroyed, winds up being the president and the is amazing at it. The president of all time. <laughs> so throughout the show, you get to pivot between this really hard-edged military show but also a big meditation on uh, civics and sort of what politics mean for a small society trying to survive. Um, there's a lot of great thorny questions that get answered. And then the show also rolls in the silo themselves. Um, a number of them, uh, there are a number of Cylons who look exactly like people, which makes for great excitement in the early goings of the show when you're trying to figure out who's a Cylon and who isn't. There's a real possibility that they're being spied on, especially because a number of the Cylons don't know that they're Cylons. They're sleeper agents. Exactly. Of the most literal kind, because they sleep, I guess. That would be the most yeah. literal kind if they were All sleeping. All agents are sleeper agents in that way. Sometimes. All agents get sleepy sometimes. <laughs> um, but uh, it really does a lovely job of juggling all of these different themes. You never get the sense that the Cylons are just kind of pure villains, like in the original series. Um, they really are given a lot of motivations and a lot of complex motivations that differ from one another as the show develops. Um, over the course of its four runs, it does everything from uh, being a metaphor for the Iraqi insurgency, where essentially the humans are placed into the insurgent role uh, and forced to deploy things like suicide bombings and reckon with torture in wartime. Uh, it also deals with a lot of questions of sort of spirituality and religion. The back half of the series, the last two seasons, get fairly spiritually minded as things start to come to a close. It's something that a lot of fans had some trouble with uh, when it was originally broadcast and found kind of frustrating. But I think the show ultimately manages to come through it very intact because it always keeps its focus on its characters. Uh, it really finds new and surprising ways to utilize them and test them and let them grow, and it honors their growth. Um, you don't get a lot of characters backsliding into who they were before something happened to them. Instead, everything kind of moves forward. Um, so we've loved it for a long time. It's super fun to say. It's hard to tell friends to watch because it's really impossible not to say without being like, you can watch Battlestar Galactica. It's yeah. the best non-nerdy show. I feel like in the same way that there are books that I love and I hate their covers and I feel so embarrassed carrying them around, mm -hmm. I wish I could retitle Battlestar Galactica because when you <laughs> say it, you feel like such a nerd. And I love being a nerd. Yeah, but some some things are a bridge too far. Uh, but if you're ever going to do a deep dive into nerd culture, there is literally no better way to do it than through Battlestar Galactica. Um, oh, also, uh, they find the greatest ways to get around a network television uh, language prohibitions as anybody um, with the introduction into the lexicon of the word frack which is the most multi-purpose and primetime safe swear word ever employed uh, throughout the course of the series. Uh, there's our two pop cultures for the first ever episode of our podcast. And Annie, what do we do now? 
So now we try to figure out how these two very different fandoms could possibly cross over. Absolutely. I think a great place to start would be thematically. Um, let's Before we get to the really hard stuff, um, how do these two shows talk to one another uh, in a English major kind of sense? You have to write a paper and it's due tomorrow for your English class. Compare Go. and contrast Gilmore Girls <laughs> and Battlestar Galactica. I would take that class. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to become an English teacher and make that class. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I appreciate about both shows is the focus on community and what makes a community and mm. very small communities where in Battlestar, like Walt said, you are literally writing down the number of humans alive on a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. um, Stars Hollow doesn't keep a whiteboard. They are the only remaining humans on Earth, though. Well, I mean, in Connecticut, at least. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, Connecticut. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's it's about... How both shows are about the importance of other people mm -hmm. um, and not in a, even in just a family way or in a global way, but these people who, who live in your community and you have to come together and work around various issues, much at, much like at a town meeting in Stars Hollow or, <laughs> you know, to make sure you're escaping the Cylons in BSG. It's true. Both highly prioritized. Very important events. issues. High stakes, you guys. The, the dance marathon. <laughs> I would also say there's a lot of generational angst in both of these shows. Uh, in BSG, you have Admiral Adama and Lee Adama Apollo, who's just one of the most just sad sack put upon fellows in sci-fi history. Um, he gets really overweight for one arc oh, and it's the worst it's the worst prosthetic makeup you've ever seen but he kind of makes it work um but yeah i think there's a lot of struggles uh between adults and, of different generations in battlestar how to... you form your own path and how you are similar to your parents um mistakes that parents have made and how mm -hmm. you can hold that against them or move past it um I yeah, think it I is th safe to say that if Lorelai were ever stranded on a desert planet, Mr. Gilmore would never leave looking for her. Much like BSG, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Grandpa Gilmore would have anyone he could buy out there looking. <laughs> <laughs> he may not be there himself. He may not be there himself, but he would be organizing it from behind the scenes. It's true. Um, yeah, I think that there is just a lot of dealing with children trying to define themselves both in terms of and independently from their parents. And that's always exciting to mm -hmm. see. Uh, oh. Fun runner through these series and most series, but it's very well defined, I think, in both of these shows is crappy romantic choices. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the people you end up going back to again and again. Mm -hmm. um, and is that really the best choice for you? And on TV, usually that means it is. Um, in real life, probably not so much. But, you know, you give a little bit of leeway um, for the shippers out there. Um, I also like that both shows have yeah, strong female characters. Kara mm -hmm. Thrace, one of the greatest sci-fi characters of all time. Absolutely. Um, just incredibly dynamic, incredibly uh, challenging as a character, and mm -hmm. very willing to be unlikable. And lots of other awesome female characters like... Um, 
boomer slash athena oh um, yeah um two different versions of the same cylon um so obviously pl- played by the same actress mm-hmm. um six another cylon who i think they cast her because she's so gorgeous yeah, and Helfer. then realized that she's an amazing actress too yeah it's fantastic watching the show realize how good its own actors are and start to give them more and more and more work to do over the course of the run um they really were a responsive show in that way so I think next up, now that we've covered the thematic territory where these shows intersect, is to cover the real practical canonical territory of how these shows intersect. Because we've all been thinking it, uh, and it's time to essentially generate some alternate universe fan fiction. Uh, so Annie, how? <laughs> how indeed. Um, so yeah, we decided that these would be our fandoms and didn't necessarily think about what were the easiest fandoms to cross over. But I have been thinking about this for a little while now. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think in my fandom crossover mind, Stars Hollow would actually be on Caprica. Mm. So the small Stars Hollow universe we see is actually part of that whiteboard number that goes into space and has survived the Cylon attack. Do they have like a gazebo-shaped ship that they're flying in? Like... They're not a separate ship. They're with the other people, but oh, like okay. in their own little pocket. In, <laughs> in the most little... adorable pocket yes, of their the freighter. most adorable pocket of the BSG universe. Because <laughs> um, people on the other ship who were regular humans, like they're just normal people who are living their lives. That's true. And who is more normal than the people of Stars Hollow? They are the most normal of all of us, truly. (laughs) So there's just one really, really fast-talking corner of the Armada that's out there. Um, And I think that Paris Geller, um, Rory's best friend slash Mm -hmm. mortal enemy, um, I feel like she would end up in politics working with Laura Roslin and really getting in Adama's face about things. I we could know see that's that. where she was going on Gilmore Girls anyway. <laughs> I feel like Jess probably joins the fleet and becomes a hot dog fighter pilot. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be so great because then he would find meaning. It's true. Also, he comes from a hot dog dynasty. Um, that is true. I don't think... I ever saw Luke making hot dogs. There were a lot of burgers. That's true. But maybe that was how Jess rebels. Again, putting in the intergenerational conflict so endemic to both shows. Yes. Screw you, Dad. I'm making tube meat instead of flat meat. Yeah. Well, it's not his dad. It's his uncle. That's right. Did we ever get confirmation of that? Yeah. Secret secret plot line? No. Luke already had a secret daughter. Don't oh, no. even get me started. <laughs> she gets blown out the airlock. She doesn't survive. Oh no, my god! Oh, no. I love this actress. She's adorable. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're you survive, but you're not Luke's daughter. Oh wow! And probably had like radiation poisoning or something. Yeah, maybe she's a Cylon. Oh yeah, there not, we go. Not that, a real daughter anyway. That's how they get you. Made in a factory. Sure. So that's all well and good, but I think that my envisioning of a Battlestar and Gilmore Girls crossover really plays off of the fact that in the latter half of the series of Battlestar, we start to get some some mysticism and some spirituality bent in there. And we also get a long period where Kara Thrace, everybody's favorite fighter pilot, Starbuck, disappears and then reappears and changes. How has she changed? Well, she's a little more placid. 
She's a little more calm. She's kind of conflicted, but she knows where they're going. And where they're going is where she has been the entire time. And guess what? It's Stars Hollow. Yes, it is. <laughs> Meet Stars Hollow's newest resident. She stays at the inn that Lorelai runs. Um, Because Lorelai looks at her and she's like, girl, you need a place to stay. You look a little confused. Exactly. You look like you just crashed in a spaceship. And and Lorelai says it thinking that she's being really witty and funny. But then Kara Thrays is like, I just crashed in a spaceship. I'm going to go to that diner and get a hamburger because she don't care. She's hungry. Oh, man. And I feel like she would actually appreciate... Luke's gruffness it's a it's the kind of Adama gruffness that she needs yeah he would be the new sort of father figure yeah to like teach even her. though they're closer in age yeah but, um I feel like she would appreciate that from him she would be like a really hot shot line cook until she got the other line cook killed by her risky oh, no. flipping I Cesar. know it's true I'm sorry there has to be tragedy oh god <laughs> look things get dark when Battlestar comes to Stars Hollow apparently yeah and so Finally, she returns to Battlestar, but she's not just coming to lead them to Earth. She's going to lead them to Stars Hollow Earth. Oh, she's taking them right to the stars. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Battlestar faster than light jumps into atmosphere above Connecticut uh lands like you do exactly it's uh they've done it before they will do it again um vipers descend in the middle of the town parade slash council slash quaintness celebration that they have every day uh-huh. right <laughs> and everybody joins in they have a lovely time um the, there is no attack of stars hollow they Laura simply Rosen would be a great president of stars hollow she would stars hollow being an independent nation now (laughs) she would make it that way um and yeah i mean all of this is to say that all of this has happened before all of this will happen again um who's to say that this isn't just an eternal loop of Battlestar coming to stars hollow and just kind of taking it easy for a little while um i like that in that scenario bsg gets cozier yeah, you know. I think that's what they need after all that time running from Cylons out in space. It's true. And, you know, the Cylons are well documented of enjoying coziness because they spend all that time in their goo pools mm, just hanging out. Sweet goo pools. Good old goo pools. Uh, I'm sure they have those as natural springs in Stars Hollow. Um, because in Stars Hollow, it kind of doesn't matter if you're a human or a Cylon. Yeah. As long as you're cool and you want to take part in the Founders Day Fest. Or, you know, do some uh, caroling around Christmas time. Like, you're you're going to be included. I would kind of like to see Edward James almost talk like the Micro Machine Man, just to see what that would sound like. Oh, to speed up his dialogue? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Just try to push him really to the limit. I bet he's done that before. I'm sure. I'm sure. Just look at that craggy face fly. Aww. Mile a minute. So now that we've established the airtight canonical reasons that these two shows cross over, uh, let's play some games. Uh, Annie, what's our first game? The first game is called Kiss Your Faces. What is Kiss Your Faces? Kiss Your Faces is a game in which we figure out which two characters in this crossover we would ship. Mm. So yeah, who gets along with who? Uh, Who you got? Oh man, that's a real tough one. I've got just the team up. So one of the more controversial characters in Battlestar is Ellen Ty, uh, Colonel Ty's wife, 
She's a little bit domineering, a little bit vapid, a little bit hard to like, for lack of a better word. Um, and especially when she first popped up in the series, people felt like she didn't quite feel as integrated into the series as the rest of the characters. She just kind of appears off of a ship, and she and Colonel Ty do not get along very well. However, she does establish a baseline that Colonel Ty digs uh, sharp-tongued ladies who drink a lot. And so I'm going to go ahead and say that Grandma Gilmore and Colonel Ty would make I, a pretty lovely sunset I can see couple. That. And um, Grandma Gilmore is much more stable than Ellen Ty. It's in true. In many ways. It's true. And she would be tactful enough to not ask about his eye patch. And she understands diplomacy oh, and yeah. the need to keep things close to the vest. She is also probably the most likely to be a Cylon of anyone in Stars Hollow. So I think she would just kind of relate to him on certain levels that none of the other characters would be able to. I like that. Yeah, so that's my pick. I think old people love uh, cross two cultures. How about you? So I think um, one of my favorite characters on Gilmore Girls is Lane Kim. Um, Mm. Drummer, funny, adorable (laughs) uh, Korean-American girl. Um, And she ends up married to one of her bandmates. Who's fine? Oh, just fine? He's just fine. I feel like they were trying to have her in a relationship with this other guy who got a part on the OC. So oh, we lost him. That sucks. Um, California so was calling. California was calling. Um, so I think they tried to revamp it to put Lane with the guitarist. Didn't work so well for me. But Lane is awesome, and I think she needs an awesome guy. And I think Anders um, mm. would pair well with her. I think their age difference might not work quite yeah. so well. But I think if it's been a few years, um, probably for the miniseries, this would work super well. well. I'm sure that Faster Than Light Travel gets into some weird aging stuff anyway. Oh, sure. I mean, and he's probably like a million years old when he lands, he, so nobody's going to be old enough. We're not going to send him in a Cylon bath into the sun. Exactly. In um, so yeah, where Anders is really st- kind of a stable guy. Yeah, he's a he's, sports ball player. He's a sports ball player, which Lane Kim is not. Um, but I feel like he could handle her energy really well, and I think she would appreciate his thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're both people who didn't quite get the person on the show who they should have gotten. Yeah, they didn't quite get their due, I no, think, as characters. Um, they're two people who I really appreciate, and I want to see them happy. Um so I think he's gonna he's gonna move to Stars Hollow, get like a good solid job somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and he'll support Lane and all her drumming endeavors, um, and be the guy at her shows who gets her a towel and water, and really annoyingly keeps requesting all along the watchtower yes. because he thinks it's the most hilarious he, he thing he's song. ever heard. It's the watchtower um, and Mrs. Kim is suspicious of him being a Cylon. Oh, and, sure. But, um, again, he's, he can take it in stride, and eventually she grows to love him in the odd way she has. Oh, Mrs. Kim. Oh, Mrs. Kim, another excellent character. <laughs> well, I'm sure that Kara Thrace would have some thoughts on that relationship, which brings us to the next of our games, the Battle Dome. We've Ba-ba-ba. done the kissy faces. Now, who gonna fight in our show? I would say a really easy pick for this one is... 
probably Luke and anyone else on Battlestar Galactica. He's sort of a prickly pear. True. I would also say Jess is another oh, prickly pear. Oh, yeah. Um, I just feel like he would get his ass kicked so hard. Oh, yeah. I think I think if <laughs> Jess and, like, early Jess and Kara Thrace in our fandom in which she is working at Luke's Diner were in the same place at the same time. Oh, yeah. Kara would kick his ass so hard that he would come to the realization that he should not be a dick much earlier. Yeah, and then, but that he would come to that realization as she was lowering his face into the fryer. And so I think it would be a short lived one. Well, I don't think she's going to try and kill him. I don't know. Really? Kara Thrace doesn't kill the little newbie pilots. That's she's true. She's just really hard on them. That's true. She put his hand in the fryer. Something's getting put in really? the fryer. They oh work at a diner. Come on. What? Why? Why is this? <laughs> Diner is so violent. Oh, they no, take right. food codes really strict or really seriously. That's true. Luke wouldn't allow it. And Kara wouldn't want to disappoint Luke because he's her new dad now. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's a good solid choice. Um, I think we haven't gotten a lot of Rory love going on in this episode of the podcast yet. And so I'm trying to think of who Rory would square off with. And I'm tempted to say D. Oh, D. Poor, ill-fated D, the communications officer on the deck of the Battlestar. Another uh, person who never really got someone to love. It's true. She has. She tries. She has mm-hmm. some odd and weird pairings um, throughout the course of the show. But, you know, she never quite finds happiness um, at so all. So they would fight. Yeah. Wow. I don't what know. What would they fight about? Well, I feel like, so they're both interested in communications, yeah. but in very different ways. Um yeah. That's about all I've got right now. I could see Rory and Boomer fighting. Oh, yeah. Because I could see Rory thinking, I need to take her down. Yeah. If she sees Boomer really messing things up. And, she, and, and Boomer being, is really good at that. She yeah, messes she makes everything up. And I think Rory could understand that and be like, and want to start in saying, hey, I make major life decisions poorly too let's uh maybe talk about this yeah. and things just escalating from there yeah that wouldn't go great and i also think that luke and chief tyrell from the deck would fight but only yeah. in that like bro way and that they then, would come out of it loving each yeah, other yeah they would then sit on the deck and drink oh, beer with each other romance is so prime i know and then maybe they'd hold hands a little bit yeah. just because i mean come on yeah. in stars hollow everything's chill oh, everybody holds hands oh as they walk through the gazebo um so the last section of our segment is just our reader's advisory for things that you should check out if you have already checked these things out and want to check out more things. It's a very checkout-based segment. Um, like you're in a library because I have librarian friends. It's true. This was for all the library friends out there on Twitter. Um, so, Annie, what should people go after if they want to get more Gilmore Girls goodness? So if you're looking for another TV show to follow Gilmore Girls, I highly recommend Heart of Dixie. Mm. I know, I just said that sentence. (laughs) Another show I've watched a lot from the couch while doing other work. Heart of Dixie is about a young doctor who moves to a small town in Alabama, and she falls in love with the small town, um, thinking that she's only going to be there a short time. And move back to New York, New York City and have a big city practice. Um, and it, it goes has, great. It was so great. <laughs> I went into it thinking, oh, I just want something cheesy. But it is one of the warmest, funniest shows that is 
really fair to all of its characters. Um, and they use the same gazebo that they do in Stars Hollow. Wow. So if you want to live in Stars Hollow, you want to live in Bluebell. So it's really like six degrees of that it's gazebo. It's northern southern yeah. gazebo face. Just yeah. put it on a truck. It went straight down oh there. God, I want to follow that truck. I know. The gazebo truck. <laughs> the gazebo truck. Um, so that is for future TV watching. Um, for books, I highly recommend Sarah Addison Allen's books. She writes, um, I guess, general fiction for adults. They're mm-hmm. usually kind of magical about small towns, and they have a lot of heart and also really strong female relationships. Um, nice. I think that they, they have some romance in them, which is great, but the core of so many of them is um, female relationships, which I love. Excellent. How about you? So for Battlestar Galactica, um, I've got a lot of obvious choices uh, because, again, I think really one of the strengths of this show is its appeal to people who may claim that they don't like science fiction or speculative fiction. Um, Again, that's such a sneaky thing about it because it intersects with so many themes. So I'm really thinking of this as a little bit of a, uh, so you liked that, now let's get you into more nerd culture kind of situation. So I've got two book recommendations, um, one of which is the super, super easy and obvious but also slightly controversial Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Um, This is one that I'm going to say up front. Please check out from your local library so as not to give money to Orson Scott Card. He's a dick. He's kind of a garbage fire person. Um, But he wrote one, arguably two, really, really amazing books before he went totally insane and started writing homophobic screeds into everything that he ever did. Um, But Ender's Game is a lot of similar situation to Battlestar Galactica. It's humanity up against a threat uh, that is threatening total, absolute annihilation and must make hard decisions within a military culture to survive. Um, It is a really fantastically written and incredibly thoughtful book. Uh, It's great for kids. It's great for adults. It's just kind of great in general. Don't watch the movie, please. Thank you. Um, the other book is a little bit of a deeper cut, but it's actually one of the first science science fiction novels that I ever read. Uh, it's called The Forever War by Joe Haldeman. It may not actually be that deep of a cut if you know the genre, but I hadn't heard of it until I read it. Um, the Forever War is a really fascinating novel taking a look at humans fighting a war against an alien race, but deals a lot with time dilation through deep space travel. So... Uh, The soldiers in it will, you know, jump to a battle location, but show up and the battle is actually occurring decades later than when they first jumped or decades before. And so the amount of technological disparity from battle to battle changes uh, very drastically. And it really becomes a lot about military life when you're sort of stuck in a cycle of violence uh, that you can't really escape and desperation. Uh, It's a really, really lovely book. Um, There's another one by Joe Haldeman called Forever Peace. It is not related canonically but deals with a lot of themes in a very different way that i would also recommend but the forever war is really just lovely and wonderful and worth taking a look at and then for tv i'm going to recommend another really obvious one but that was happening sort of concurrently and i think battlestar actually learned a lot of lessons from which is lost um lost we'll be talking about on this podcast at some point i am sure because we're both big fans but It's a show that builds a large and intricate mythology 
and then spins that mythology maybe a little bit beyond its own capacity to solve and decides instead to focus on the character dynamics, which it's amazing at. Um, sort of similar to BSG, I think BSG was happening when Lost was hitting some of its more complicated phases, uh, and so they took some lessons from one another, I think. Uh, BSG made its storytelling a little more compact, a little less uh, sprawling and mythological-based, but uh, still really held that strong focus to character dynamics and genre hops and works in different themes. So I think Lost would be a wonderful show for you to watch, especially since it's on Netflix and you don't have to get frustrated with it when it spins its wheels throughout the latter half of Season 2 and Season 3. So Annie, we did it. We did it. We made uh, an alternate universe where everything's cozy, but also militarily ready at a moment's notice. It's my favorite kind of universe. It's true. Guns in the gazebo. Yep. <laughs> the Annie Cardi story. Well, everybody, thank you very much for joining us for our very first episode of Crossover Appeal. There are going to be lots more. We'll be re releasing one every two weeks or thereabouts. Um, if you want to check us out online, our website is crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com. You can email us at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. See, this is the first time we're working out the kinks. We're getting it. I know <laughs> how to speak. <laughs> You're very good. Uh, at Facebook, you can go to Crossover Appeal Podcast. At Twitter, we are Crossover Appeal. With a little at symbol in front of it, as, as Twitter works. Right? If you're on Twitter, please know that that's how it works. <laughs> otherwise, this ain't Twitter 101, guys. Yeah, otherwise, this is Crossover Appeal. Leave us, leave us alone. Um, most importantly, uh, this is going to be going up on iTunes as soon as we figure out how to get approved by iTunes. So please subscribe and rate it on there. Um, why not leave a little comment and tell us how much you loved it? That would be great. Um, but until next episode, we are just signing off. I am Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Cardi. And we are, as always, reminding you to... Please ship responsibly. Thank you.